Games, and I hope your Wednesday is going really, really well. As usual, I'm here to share some Stillmeyer Games news, probably a lot about Wingspan Asia today, to, to discuss some random topics, and to answer any non-spoiler questions that you have. Fortunately, in terms of spoilers, most everything has been revealed now for Wingspan Asia. Today's design diary post was about the birds in the game, and I revealed the appendix, the full appendix. So you can go through and see pretty much, I think, every bird in the game. You can see a detailed descriptions of the gold tiles, of the, uh, the bonus cards. Everything's in that appendix. You can also see the Altama rulebook and the multiplayer rulebook. They're all uploaded now. You can go to the Wingspan Asia page of our website to see all that material. Hey, Tony, George, Chad, thank you for joining me today. Um, I look forward to chatting with you all for however long you want to hang out today for at least the next hour, or for a maximum of the next hour. After that, I'll get hungry and I'll go eat lunch. Um, Tony mentioned, uh, congrats on the charity auction results. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, we wrapped up. We, we have a very short annual charity auction every year, and that charity auction was last week. We auctioned, auctioned off a bunch of stuff, a bunch of bundles. So every bundle was the same. There was a Wingspan nesting box with Wingspan Asia inside. There was a wine crate. There was a low-numbered Libertalia. There were gold eggs that we're looking into making for to sell for everyone and to uh, contribute to charity through a, a general sale to everybody. But the, the first batch of the golden eggs were, were as part of the charity auction. Um, the Red Rising Playmat. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting something else. Oh, uh, signed, signed disc golf disc. Every bundle included all that stuff, and the the winners of the auction were incredibly generous this year, as they are every year. And we raised the total, including the matches. So Fulfill Right, which is a great uh, fulfillment company, they matched the highest bid, and Stillmeyer Games matched up to $1,000 of each other winning bid, resulting in a total donation to 10 different charities of over $29,000. That's by far our biggest donation total yet. It brought us over $100,000. Uh, in total for the donations that we've made over the last 10 years. And yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I, 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 I love it. I, I, I love that we have such participation, such enthusiasm for this charity auction so that we can keep doing it um, for, for now the 10th year in a row now. So yeah, Tony, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, I'm really happy with how that went. Frank is here today. Uh, Frank from the, the, uh, the City of Games. Frank continues to write an amazing series of blog posts about, uh, about kind of the behind the scenes thinking for publishing process. Frank wrote a great article the other day about offering miniatures as an option on Kickstarter campaigns. And I think, Frank, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think Kickstarter is really good at doing that, at offering options that you don't, that you in the long term don't make sense. Like it's a little bit harder to offer separate a la carte elements like that in the long term. But for Kickstarter, that's a great platform to, uh, or crowdfunding in general, that's a great platform to uh, offer little kind of customizable options like that that are a little bit difficult to do later. I'm going to actually make a note about that. I didn't think about that till I was talking about it, but I am probably tomorrow going to look back at the reasons why Stillmeyer Games stopped using Kickstarter a long time ago, uh, Kickstarter and crowdfunding, and to see if those reasons are still relevant. Not that we're at, at all thinking about going back to crowdfunding, but just revisiting those ideas and, and, um, and why, I, I guess, how those reasons have changed over time. Because sometimes I go back and look at that original blog post in uh, 2016 about why we quit Kickstarter. And some of the reasons uh, don't apply as much as they do now. And there are actually new reasons now why we wouldn't go back to crowdfunding, I think. But I'm gonna add that to it um, as kind of being a pro for Kickstarter. Uh, pro Kickstarter uh, customization and options. Yeah, so. I'll think about that tomorrow if I end up writing the post tomorrow. It's the Alex Keith. Lots of great people joining us today. Chris is here. Um, Dave says, uh, good morning from Ohio. Can't wait for the Asia expansion. Have you considered adding once per game powers to Wingspan? Dave, I believe that is on our master list of things to consider, powers to consider, once per game powers. Uh, yeah, it's a, we, we, so we have a list of like possible powers like that, and that is a great idea. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, there are pros and cons to that type of power because, you know, you, you use it once and then that power is gone, but it could make for really fun abilities, and that is kind of a fun way to add some asymmetry to the game. Currently, we don't really have any preset starting asymmetry other than the cards that you choose to start out the game, but they don't really start in play, so it's not really um, an asymmetric element in the game. 
And uh, what you that uh, that power that you mentioned, a once per game power, could be a way to scratch that itch a little bit, or they could just be integrated into the game, and they would kind of feel asymmetrically. You do this one really powerful thing once per game. So we might explore that. We'll see. Uh, we have we have a list of of powers that uh, that Elizabeth I think is going to consider in the future. But she does love I think. Well, my perception is that she enjoys hearing ideas like that from from people who know Wingspan really well and love Wingspan. Blake says, let's say you are departing, or Blake has a fun, fun uh, hypothetical question here. Let's say you are departing Earth today and off to space, never to return. You're allowed one game in your luggage. What do you bring? Um, let me ask a few questions there, Blake. Is there, uh, is there uh, artificial gravity where I'm going? Or am I just kind of cycling around Earth in, uh, in no gravity in perpetuity? I think gravity would be a good, good to know if I have gravity. Um, and also, how many other people are with me? Um, yeah, let me know a little bit more about that situation, and I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question after that. Aramis is from San Francisco. They're joining in to share their excitement for Wingspan Asia. Um, he says, I love, and this is a good recap of what we revealed. He says, I love all the new stuff, Elizabeth uh, and me, but I really give uh, Elizabeth full credit for creating all this, that Elizabeth created for the expansion, including the duet mode, the flock mode, the bonus cards, all new end of round goals. And those are only for the duet mode in the box. They, they only work for the duet mode and unique bird powers, all the unique mechanisms found within the bird powers. Thank you, Aramis, for saying that. He says, I heard other folks want just more birds for future expansions. I personally love all the new stuff and mechanisms that come with Wingspan, Oceania, and Asia. I would enjoy seeing more of this in the future expansions. More birds will always come with future expansions, but the creativity of the other stuff is what also excites me. I appreciate you voicing that out loud because I think sometimes, really, I've only heard a handful of people say that they really only want more birds, but they tend to be, they seem to be more vocal than the people saying otherwise. And I respect both opinions there, but I'm glad you expressed that. Um, I mean, we do like you. You you uh, allude to this here. Wingspan European is essentially that that this thing that people, some people have asked for. It is essentially a more cards expansion, and so we already have that. We've tried it. That makes it slightly less likely that we'll do it again. But at the same time, we have three more expansions to go, at least in the in the hopes and the plans. And so I think it's likely that one of them will probably just focus on new bird cards and maybe have I don't know maybe really focus on a new bird power or something like that. But we'll see. Uh, it uh, Elizabeth is a very much a theme-driven designer. So if a theme of, of the next continent pushes her towards more bird cards, so be it. If it pushes her towards more bird cards plus other stuff, that's that's what it'll be. That's what I, I, I trust Elizabeth to make the best decision about the game. And as the kind of the developer, the publisher, uh, I'm happy to be involved in those discussions with her. But anyway, thank you for expressing that, Blake. I really appreciate that. Dan says, I'm writing a feature about positive interactions in board games for World Kindness Day and loved your video from a few years back. I was wondering if you had any more recent games that you would add to that list. Um, Dan, very recent game that I played with nice positive player interactions is Flamecraft. I think that does a great job with, with positive player interactions. And um, it's really hard for me to think on the spot, but I would say what I try to do, I don't do a great job of this, Dan, but I try whenever I play a new game that I feel like belongs on a past list, a past top 10 list that I've covered, I try to go back to the description of that video and I write it down in that description. And I usually mark it by saying like, in a future date, I, I would have added uh, I would have added this game if I had played this game. So if you've watched that video, feel free to look at the description of the video to see if I've added to that over time. It's possible that I've completely missed it. Like I'm saying Flamecraft right now, I don't think I've actually added Flamecraft to that list but I will try to remember to do that after I get off this video. I'll make a note of it now. Um, but yeah, check out check out the description in case I have any others there. Let me think of, I'll look at my, my list of games that I've played this year that I've really, really enjoyed to see if there's anything that jumps out from that list with positive player interactions. Um, looking for, specifically I think about uh, competitive games that have positive player interactions because a lot of cooperative games do that. Looking right here at my list, not seeing anything jump out in a huge way. A Gift of Tulips kind of has it. Gift of Tulips is a bit of an eye cut you choose game, and so you're always giving your opponent something. Um, Mountains out of molehills kind of has players collectively building up these molehills that can positively impact other players. It's not directly positive, but it, it does feel good when another player builds something that you get to benefit from. Let's see if there's anything else on here. Yeah, those are the two jumping out right now. Yeah, great question. I love positive player interactions. 
George says, any more ideas for future book clubs? Perhaps something done similar for Kickstarter GameFound thematics or other subjects or books? It's a good question, George. Um, I, I don't have any ideas yet. I mean, it, it's I'm open to doing it again in the future. George is referring to the book club that I did for my 2015 book, A Crowdfunder Strategy Guide. Um, I don't have any other books, but uh, it's possible I will. It, I guess the, the overall point of it is that I needed a video series a live video series where I talked about a specific topic every week and everyone who wanted to join along and read the chapter for that week could do so in advance and then join the conversation. Um, there isn't anything that comes to mind for that, George, but uh, it would be fun to do in the future. It might be fun to do uh, something like that for a campaign game someday, just for a, a game, I guess that's not crowdfunding related, but to kind of play through a campaign game week to week uh, at the same time that other people are playing through that same campaign game, and then we kind of can meet up every week and chat about it. I don't know if that would be a Facebook thing or something that I do on Discord, but uh, yeah, just an idea there. I, I'm trying to think of a game that I have in mind that has that isn't too long, that is scenario based, that a lot of people might already that might a lot of people might have. Here, I'll go back to my list here of games that are coming up because I do have some fun campaign games coming up, but some of them won't work exactly for that structure. Like, I don't think the Seventh Citadel work would work for that structure. I don't think um, the New Sleeping Gods would work for that structure. It needs to be like a, a very episodic game. Like, for, actually, you know what we could do? We could do it for, um, for oh, uh, blanking on that, Role Player Adventures. We could do it for Role Player, uh, the, this, the expansion that's coming out in the future. It could be fun to do that. Tony continues to follow up about his spooky games that he's playing this month. And actually, he mentions one that I'm hoping to play. He says, excuse me, this week our, our gaming group's spooky Halloween game of the week was Betrayal at the House on the Hill. He said the traitor won. So I'm hoping to play the legacy version of that, which will be my first exposure to Betrayal. Hopefully in a couple weekends, like really close to Halloween. I have some friends that have the legacy version, so we might play through a, a scenario or two. Has anyone here played the legacy version of Betrayal at House on the Hill? Let me know if you have. Let me know how long the first two scenarios take, because um, I'm kind of hoping to have, make a, an evening of it and not just play one, through, one scenario in that evening. Andy says, with, uh, with Wingspan, have you ever thought about making an initial hand draft an official variant? Um, I would love that option on Board Game Arena. It's a good question, Andy. I think it's possible. The, the problem with drafting, um, and this works well for variants, but I'll just put it out there. The problem with drafting is that it isn't welcoming for new players at all. Um, new players don't have good information about how to make decisions in the game. They're, they're, they're forced to make a decision at the beginning of the game before they actually understand the game. However, obviously there are many people that know Wingspan very well. So an advanced variant could be appropriate. Um, and I know a lot of people like to play that way. Uh, it's something that we might consider. I think Elizabeth and I have talked about it from time to time. I don't remember the reason that we came up with that we discussed in the past for why we haven't made that an official variant. So perhaps it's something we'll revisit someday. Um, I think it would make sense. I think it probably will make sense someday, Andy. And if we do, we will encourage the, uh, the digital developers to, um, to offer that option. Yeah. If anyone has any, has any thoughts about that, what are the what are the other downsides to making that an official variant? I think part of it is that we really do like the way that the current selection happens. Like, it it isn't really part of Wingspan that you're passing cards from one player to the next. I know it does lead to certain circumstances when a player might be gifted a hand of very powerful cards at the beginning of the game. Um, but we've I don't know. We've, Elizabeth has tried really hard to balance out the cards in Wingspan. So we're still giving players, I think, a compelling choice at the beginning of the game. I don't know if that interaction of a draft uh, fits into Wingspan exactly. Um, that, that isn't, that isn't a, I don't know, I'm thinking about the motion of drafting cards around the table. That just isn't something that's part of Wingspan. It's, it's like adding a new mechanism to a game that the game wasn't designed for. So I don't know. Uh, I, we will think about it. We'll definitely think about it. Carlos says he's pretty excited about Wingspan Asia. Um, I should probably hold up some random components of this game while, I'm, while we're talking about it here. The, the, the rule books, the appendix, the Altama rule book, and the core rule book. Uh, Carlos says, it seems to me that a lot of people that complain about, being, about it being a mix of standalone and expansion do it for the sake of getting attention in the comments since it's more likely that people will respond to a negative comment than a positive comment. That's possible, uh, Carlos. I think that, that speaks to the, the environment of the, the internet a lot. Um, uh, 
I think it depends on the comment. Like I certainly have heard people share that as a constructive perspective. And then I've seen other comments that just kind of come across as complaining and they don't really seem all that constructive. I see a little bit of both, a little bit of both for sure. Carlos says, this has happened with other recent Somire games as well. So I hope you're able to keep a distance with those types of comments. As for me, I've had a lot of joy this year for Somire games, newest releases, as well as playing old releases. I appreciate that, Carlos. Um, I'm glad to hear that for, for your joy. I mean, that's why we do everything here. We're, we're doing this to, to bring joy to tabletops worldwide. I, I do love constructive feedback. If, if people are offering their perspectives in, in the hopes of making a positive change for themselves and others, I think it is important that when people make comments that uh, contradict a decision that we've already made, that they acknowledge that maybe there was a reason that we made that decision and um, that there are people different than them too, that they're, they're you know, uh, you know, I think some of the comments that rub me a little bit the wrong way are people who say, like, clearly everyone wants this. That's probably not the case. Like, it's probably that you want that and some other people want that. And that's okay. But, you know, I don't pretend that everyone wants this thing. Anyway, uh, Carlos says, what would be the best place to leave feedback for the scoring app? I found it a little weird that after inputting scores for all Wingspan players, I can see the total scores for all players, but I can't see a table with their scores per category. Yeah, I have talked about that with a developer. Um, uh, Paul, and I, I would love to see a table at the end. I totally agree with that. There is, uh, where did I post? I think in the original post, I posted Paul's email, which Paul has uh, Paul has offered publicly for people to send him direct feedback via email. Uh, if you send me an email, my, I don't know his email offhand, but if you send me an email, I can definitely forward it to him so he knows about that. Uh, but he is aware of the desire for the table, but always hearing it uh, in more eloquent terms from someone else, I think can always be helpful. One final question from Carlos. I remember you having discussed in other live casts the idea of having a two-player game that also works as an expansion, which I love. I hope this is successful because I wouldn't, I won't mind being done for other Stomire games. But has was Wingspan Asia the first time you've tried to pull it off, or have you tried it for Stomire game before? I have tried it before. Obviously, yeah, I've been thinking about it for a while. But Stomire, right, I'm sorry, Wingspan Asia is the first time that we've tried to do that. Um, really, really dug into it and tried to do it. Just tried to make a, a standalone game for one to two players that also expands um, a current game. Adam says, any recent book recommendations? I talked on my personal blog just earlier this week about Stephen King's Fairy Tale, which I enjoyed recently. And now I am reading the third book in the Scalomance series from Naomi Navik, I think is her last name. Um, I'm enjoying that so far. That's a, that's a trilogy. This is the last book in the trilogy. Ludo Credo says, is there a uh, dinosaur-based expansion for Wingspan? Um, I know that dinosaurs are kind of birds. We don't have plans to do that, but uh, I think it's fairly likely that someday we will make an extinct birds promo pack for Wingspan. That's not a promise. I think it's just likely. It's not even something that we're actively working on. I think it is just fairly likely that we'll do it. Okay, Blake clarifies this question about which game would I bring to outer space? He says, yes, there's artificial gravity. Five other people are joining me, including Megan. That's nice that Megan got a... Uh, a seat on board this uh, this mini colony ship. What game would I bring? Well, we need to play up to six players, so that would include many stone miner games. Um, but I feel a little weird about choosing a stone miner game, so it has to play up to six players. Oh man, what would I choose for that? Uh, let me just go with the stone miner game because it's a little bit easier to think through six player games. Actually, Wingspan plays up to uh, six or seven players now with Wingspan Asia. That's a nice little promotion there, Blake, for Wingspan Asia with flock mode. So yeah, I'll go with Wingspan. Why not? I, I love the replayability of Wingspan and Artificial Gravity. I would gladly play it many, many times. So yeah, I'll say Wingspan now. I know that I probably should think of other answers because I do love many other games. Uh, you can check out my top 10 list, but I don't think there are too many games that play up to six players on my top 10 list. Murray says, have I ever tried Warhammer? I have not tried Warhammer. Uh, no, I, I've never tried it. I'm not much of a war gamer. Chad says he really enjoyed my recent video on Siege of Rundar. Another weekly video or recent video I did was about uh, hobby habits and my hobby history from 15 questions from the Room 51 channel and podcast. So, uh, and I asked the same 15 questions to you. So feel free, if you like talking about the gaming hobby and your history, check out my video from this past Sunday and you can answer those questions too. Chad says the event mechanism in Siege of Rundar is so unique and I totally agree. Totally agree. He says it reminds me that uh, every traditional mechanism like worker placement deck building can be reimagined. Totally. Yeah, I, I love seeing uh, little twists on mechanisms to, especially if they integrate more smoothly into gameplay. I love seeing that. Mark reminded me that Wonderland Wars is back on Kickstarter. Yeah, I saw that launch yesterday. I'm so happy for James that it's doing well so far. I think it was up to around 250000 the last time I saw 
That's great. And Mark points out that he missed the premium chips last time and he's glad he can get them this time. Yeah, I like that they're offering the premium chips as a separate thing for those who have the retail version of Wonderland's War and want to get those nice chips. Trevor said he liked the idea of a campaign club, like a book club, but for a campaign game. Uh, Dominic said the Discord started a Red Rising book club. Not many updates on the thread, though. Yeah, I'm hoping to... Actually, yeah, Dominic, I'm glad you brought that up. I am definitely hoping to do a Red Rising book club for book six when it comes out in 2023. That would be a lot of fun to do. Chad says his wife and I loved our my Smitten design. Thank you so much for saying that. How difficult was it to come up uh, to the idea that each turn each player can play first? The traditional way of play would be to make the two players take turns. And honestly... It would be hard to get out of that mindset, but the game works great once I wrap my mind around the turn structure. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is the decision point in Smitten. Whose turn is it? Um, because you can, you can, like, the, the discussion in the game is, I, I can play. You can say, like, I can play, or I, I want to play, I don't want to play, that type of thing. And it came from playtesting. I, I think it was a playtest session with Megan when, um, when we were playing Smitten, and we were doing every other turn. And I don't know, something just felt off about it. Like we wanted, we, I, I wanted the flexibility to, to, for me to take an extra turn for me. There were times where I didn't want to take a turn and I kind of wanted Megan to. And so we kind of just said, I might've been in the middle of the game or after we lost the game, we were like, you know, why don't we try where there is no turn structure, where anyone could take a turn um, or declare that they want to be the one to take a turn. And we just kind of ran with it and it worked really well. I'm, I'm really grateful for Megan for, for being willing to play test Smitten a lot with me because it is a two-player game. It's very short. It's very easy to play test. But um, yeah, yeah, that was, that was, it was a breakthrough during play test. I'm pretty sure with Megan that I figured that out. Chad reported, so in our new game or new edition of an older game, Between Two Cities Essential Edition, I've been asking people, uh, if they had a good experience taking the stickers off the side of the box, because we didn't use shrimp, shrink wrap on the box. We kind of tested it in this glossy box to see if, see if stickers would work. And uh, I'm glad to hear, I haven't heard this from everybody, but I hear from Chad here that the stickers came off and didn't leave a residue, which I'm really happy to hear. Trevor says he's played the first scenario of Betrayal Legacy. He says it went by pretty quick, if I remember right. Never played the second scenario, though. We're bad at continuing games these days. Yeah, that is, that is tough to do. But it's good to know that the first scenario, at least, is pretty quick. George says, will Stillmire Games make the metal eggs available in the future for Wingspan worldwide? Yeah, what I'm thinking right now, um, that wasn't the, the original plan, but I really do like the metal eggs. They feel great. They're, they're, they're metal. They're painted gold. We included these with the charity auction winners or, or the charity auction bundles. And I'm thinking right now that we will, um, that this year's auction will inspire next year's auction. And when we have next year's charity auction, uh, to give everyone a way to participate in the auction if they can't spend a thousand dollars or more on a, on a charity auction item or bundle is that we will make these golden eggs available on our web store during the auction and afterwards and during the auction everyone who buys uh for every set of golden eggs that are bought we will contribute the profits to uh to the 10 charities that are part of that charity auction um so that's the plan right now that's what we're thinking right now that might change in the future but that is what we're what we're thinking right right now about the the golden eggs Dom says, when will Wingspan Asia ship if we pre-order on November 2nd, which is the, the estimated uh, pre-order date. We don't I haven't set that in Sony yet, but that is the estimated date. Dom, uh, we will be shipping this throughout November. So uh, I can't guarantee a specific date in November because I think we're going to get a lot of orders and our fulfillment centers are going to be swamped and going through those orders as, uh, as fast as they can. But, uh, but yeah, shipping will happen throughout November for Wingspan Asia. With, uh, with uh, champion orders, as always, within each region, shipping first before non-champion orders. Dan says he loves Betrayal Legacy. He says it was a fantastic campaign, great storytelling. Always happy to hear that. I would say each game probably lasts 90 minutes on average, depending on when you draw the haunt. It can be over very quickly if the haunt comes up in succession. That's good to know. Yeah, I can definitely see that, that adding a little bit of chaos to the game. And 90, min 90 minutes is doable for us to play two in a row, play a, a three-hour game night. We're hoping to have uh, the friend who's hosting is a really good cook. And um, actually, I did a cookbook club with him and some other friends this past weekend where everyone brought we, in this little group. Uh, someone chooses a cookbook and then everyone chooses a recipe from that cookbook and they bring it to the night. Um, Megan made a really delicious ginger garlic butternut squash soup. And I made uh, croquettes or in Japan, we call them croquet. They're little... Um, 
uh, kind of uh, potatoes filled with different things. One I had with, with pumpkin and curry, one I had with cheese, and they're covered in panko and then, and then fried. Uh, there was a lot of other delicious dishes there uh, as well. Those dishes did work out pretty well. But anyway, we're, we're, we're hopefully going to cook some good spooky food and play Betrayal Legacy in a weekend or two. But I'll make a note about that. I, I really do want to get that on the, on the calendar if my friends are up for doing that. Corey is here with Blue Falcon Board Gaming. Um, he said he finally figured out how to join, the page, join live as the page itself. He said that he was just at Sin City Con Tabletop Gaming Convention, and they have Libertalia and Rolling Realms as featured games. Everyone I saw playing them had a blast. That's great to hear. He also said he got to play Kites, Caper Europe, Bonanza, Skull King, and the Night Cage for the first time. Had a blast with all of them. I've played a few of those. I've played Caper Europe, Bonanza, um, Skull King. I've heard Bonanza, uh, well, I know Bonanza is a great game in person, but I've heard it's a great convention game and that it was a huge hit the first time it came out of a convention. So I, I could totally see that working at any convention environment. Chris says, for a couple hours tomorrow, I'm going to my church for a potluck lunch and game time. Most people there will probably be older than me, but I think I'll bring a few games and maybe even Rolling Realms to teach for those that are interested. Just some things with easy to learn rules. I think that's a great idea, Chris. That's awesome that you're, that you're going to give that a try. If you do play Rolling Realms, my suggestion, especially with people who don't know games as well, um, is to just play one round. And if they enjoy it, play another round with those same exact realms. Um, I think that can really help people. Uh, it can help people who who aren't as experienced gamers play Rolling Realms because they uh, they just you know learn the rules for these realms and now now that they those rules have sunk in a little bit they can play again with the same combination but with different numbers rolled on the dice. Just a little suggestion there if you end up giving that one a try. I think the between two games between two cities also work really well for uh, for newer gamers. Greg says he loved, my, he loved my video on my favorite mechanism in Flamecraft. We're loving that game too. Looking forward to Wingspan Asia and all the new content. Thank you, Greg, for saying that. Yeah, I'm, I've, it's been a lot of fun to reveal all the Wingspan Asia stuff over the last week. Tomorrow, uh, Tomorrow's Design Diary post will, po will focus mostly on the nesting box. And then Friday is uh, kind of the wrap-up. On Saturday, you'll start to see videos from other content creators about what Wingspan Asia is. And then on Monday the 17th, you'll start to see review content about Wingspan Asia. So there's a lot left to come. And then a few weeks later, we'll have the pre-order and then shipping throughout the month of November. Good morning. Uh, Tim is joining us, one of the auction winners, Tim. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. Uh, I really appreciate your, appreciate your, your very generous auction, um, auction donation. Your winning bid. Jan Williams says he attended the Spiel last week for a day. He says it was so glad he he was he was so glad he tracked down the two Stomar tables and he got the opportunity to play a game of Wingspan Asia. He says I love the duet mode. Also, it was so nice to meet Alex. Yeah, my coworker Alex, our director of logistics and sales or sales and logistics, was there at Gen Con, mostly taking meetings, but he was also really excited to meet fans of Stomar Games. Um, so Jan Williams, thank you for stopping by to say hi to uh, to Alex. Julie says, is there a play is there a video someplace that shows a partial playthrough of Smitten? I don't know if I've seen a video yet of, of a partial playthrough. I, I don't have a great setup for doing Wingspan. I guess I could point my camera down and do it here. Um, but I don't, I don't have a good setup for doing it with two players. I think it works better for reviewers that have the straight-on camera and the face-down camera. So I don't think there is one yet. But re any reviewers watching this who want to be the first to have a playthrough of Smitten... Um, I think that would be awesome. And, and, and Julie's here saying that she would value that as well. Justin says, with postseason baseball in full swing and the World Series of board gaming occurring recently, I was curious about your thoughts on professional board gaming. Do you foresee the competition scene growing as the hobby grows, similar to how the video game, uh, competitive video games have grown as well? And would you be happy to see any of your games have large competitions around them? Oh, that's a tough question, Justin. I mean, the, the gamer in me who wants to see the industry and the community expand, if this is one way to do it, I'm all for it. Um, I totally, totally support that. Uh, for And I support that for my games as well, or our games, still my games, uh, both for expanding the community and expanding the number of people who know about our games as well. I think what I would more like to see, though, honestly, is a new version of tabletop. I think Will Wheaton's tabletop did such a fantastic job at uh, bringing new people into the hobby who knew board games or didn't know board games. Like just watching, it's essentially like the critical role of board gaming. 
Um, and I, I think we've seen like what Critical Role has done for role-playing games. I want to see that again for tabletop games. And some reviewers are doing a great job at pursuing that. Um, but it was tough. It's tough to match up to the the exposure and the reach that Will Wheaton's tabletop did. And, and the polish. Like, it was just a really, really well-produced show. I know Will, I don't think Will is going to bring it back. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I love what he did. I love the videos are still out there for people to go back and watch. Um, so that, that would be my, that's the thing that I think I want to see the most. But if a competitive version of that brings new people into the hobby, I'm happy to see that for our games or for other games. I guess, yeah, there is the World Series of Board Gaming that, that maybe had a small impact or hopefully a big impact. I know a lot of people put a lot of time and effort in, into it. I know your brother went there to to uh, to witness it and to be there. Um, and I, I think there was a, a TV show that, that is in production that might do something like that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I'm certainly open to it if, if it if it does bring more people into the hobby and bring brings joy to their tabletops. Michael says he hasn't, he's got his copy of Between Two Cities Essential Edition, but he hasn't tried to remove the sticker yet. He says his wife and I, or his wife and him love Smitten. Definitely a good addition to our limited communication games. My favorite version of, of cooperative games. He says also, we're going to wear the Stonemaier Champion shirts this weekend in a local board game meetup. Thank you, Michael, for doing that. Yeah, the new uh, 10 year anniversary shirts. I hope you like the blue that we chose for. We always put a lot of thought into the colors for our shirts, and I really like the blue that we ended up with. Michael says, if you ever do a mythological bird pack for Wingspan, you could make a card, the goose that lays the golden eggs for your metal eggs. I love that idea, Michael. Yeah, to have a, a bird that actually kind of wants the metal eggs. Uh, we, I currently don't have any bird that wants a specific colored egg because uh, the eggs aren't necessarily colorblind friendly. But uh, the metal eggs are clearly, I think, easily differentiated from, from the other birds in the game. And a promo pack could do some little some fun stuff like that. Uh, Chris has a comment about stickers. He says the first Disney villainous game had stickers that were so hard to take off. I can see that. Yeah, I think that the difference in Between Two Cities is that it the whole entire box has a glossy varnish that I think it does really well with stickers. Whereas Marvel Villainous does have some spot UV coating, but not around the whole box. I think a box uh, that, that has stickers, I think it really benefits from having that an entire, or at least for any part that the sticker will touch be um be glossy uh this nice glossy varnish let me come back to i'll come back to questions in one second let's see if it, anything else that i oh i had two um oh, oh, two things real quick games that i played recently I played flamecraft raiders of uh of the north sea um uh, roll and bump on board game arena i enjoyed that i taught seven wonders last night i played the chameleon last night for the first time played with a, a friend and his his kids played chameleon and um also played taught and played seven wonders to them I think that's all the games that I played really recently. Uh, we did have a nice, a nice outdoor gaming day on Saturday, and that's where I played Raiders of the North Sea and, and Flamecraft. And also, I had some fun fan encounters this weekend, where on Friday, I got to play disc golf with two guys in St. Louis who um, who enjoy Stillmire games. One of the it's two guys, two friends, uh, gamers, and one of them is leaving town, and the other friend reached out to me to ask if I could play disc golf with him with them as a surprise before his friend left town. So I had a little surprise disc golf outing with these two people, I had a great time. And then also on uh, on Saturday, some um, uh, uh, a mother who whose son is a big fan of Scythe, they were visiting St. Louis and they asked if I could sign uh, her son's rule book. And so we met up at the farmer's market here in St. Louis, which is something that I often do on Saturday mornings. I go to the Tower Grove Farmer's Market. If you ever see me there, feel free to say hi if you're in St. Louis. But uh, we arranged a little meetup there at the farmer's market so I could sign her son's rule book. And that was really neat to meet some people who are excited about some of our games. I also signed um, their new copy of Smitten while I was there. So that was fun. That was fun to do. Some of the things that I was up to this weekend. Let's see. Back to questions here. Zach says, do you think if Stonemaier released a bag building game with chips like Wonderland's War or Quacks that you would include cardboard chips or some upgraded form of chip right away? I would be really hesitant to go with cardboard, honestly. I mean, we have we actually do have this. We have uh, Libertalia. It's not it's not bag building, but we have Libertalia. It's a game where you're pulling stuff out of a bag. We could have gone with cardboard. We could have even gone with thick cardboard. But pulling cardboard out of a bag just isn't very satisfying. I think we would always go with wood or uh, or Bakelite um, or or like the uh, the fancy chips in Wonderland's War. I think we'd have to go with that. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I just can't see us go with cardboard. Like if you've ever played Orleans. And you've pulled, and, and Quacks even, I'm, 
I, I appreciate them doing it to get the, keep the price point down, but it just does not feel the same to pull cardboard out of those bags as it is to pull something a little bit nicer. But I get it for, for cost cutting. Jan Williams says, most of my games have one or more expansions except for a few recent games. The obvious one missing seems to be Charger Stone. Uh, do you think that because of the unique nature of the game, an expansion is not possible? I, I do. Uh, yeah, I, I think because you are crafting your own unique village, you've taken your own complete path throughout a campaign of Charter Stone, that uh, a campaign just doesn't make sense for it or wouldn't work. I haven't ever even tried to design one. I have told the digital developers for Charter Stone that if they ever want to add something like that, some other way to continue, maybe like a little mini campaign, they're welcome to do so. But it isn't a design space that I think I'll be pursuing. I, th I think essentially the expansion for Charter Stone is that you buy the... Uh, the, the little pack that lets you play the campaign again on the back side of the board. Matthew recommends, I was talking about Cookbook Club. He says, I highly recommend the recipes from the world of Tolkien. That would be fun. I, I did, I don't know if I've talked about this uh, recently, but I did get to go to Middle Earth, AKA New Zealand back in 2019. And we went to Hobbiton and had a feast at Hobbiton in the is it the green dragon i think is the name of the tavern so we we had i think many of the recipes found in that book at the green tavern which is incredible like if, if i have to say like if any of you ever go to hobbiton it is an incredible experience it's in the middle of, in the middle of new zealand and it is absolutely worth the extra time and money to go to the green dragon inn for dinner um, if you go that far out of your way to go to this place Absolutely recommend it because you get to eat many of those foods. It's really a, a truly extravagant feast in this place. Um, in the yeah, it, one of one of the 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 best I think financial choices I've ever made was upgrading to get that feast. Uh, Matthew has another re uh, recommendation: a local plug, a cake and loaf cookbook. Cake and loaf cookbook. I've also heard we've been talking about maybe doing a red wall themed cookbook club because i've heard there is a red wall cookbook um for any of you who remember that book series from from way back in the day george has some feedback on the between two cities box stickers as well he says perhaps consider making some stickers out of paper there's a special type of paper material see the boxes of horrified and pan am he says the transparent plastic ones from between two cities are also fine and work great without causing much damage but the other types seem a bit more premium to the touch and overall on the product. So George, fun fact here, uh, and I, I totally agree, we should always be looking at more different, better materials. We actually tried that on the Between Two Cities box. We used a sticker made out of paper instead of plastic and they didn't work as well. Um, and so we switched, I believe, to plastic stickers, which, you know, as a little counter to our idea of getting rid of plastic, it's less plastic than shrink wrap, but it's still plastic. But we did try them and they didn't work as well as we hoped. So uh, it, it, they they tore off some of the uh, the printing actually when we used them. And so we went back to the plastic that we knew would work, but we'll continue to experiment and find uh, a better stickers to use in the future. Yannick says, what's the name of the cookbook you took those recipes from? Mm, I don't remember Yannick. Uh, I, I, Megan kind of made the pick for, for us or gave me a few options to choose from. I don't remember the name of the cookbook. It was a fall kind of autumn themed cookbook, but I, I can't remember. And I also kind of riffed on my recipe. I, I hardly ever go straight by a recipe. I usually add my own little twist, often a Japanese twist to it. Let's see. Uh, George says that his Rolling Realms promos just arrived, so he can now play along with the new live plays that I've been doing. And actually, for the next live play, I'm going to try something a little bit different. I'm not going to do it live, George. Next time I do a live play, I talked about this in last week's live play, and probably next week or the, the following week, I'm going to pre-record it for high res. Because when I pre-record, I can use the, the highest res uh, filter. I can use my camera instead of the, the Facebook mode. I think Facebook might be um, high definition, but when I export it over to YouTube, it, it doesn't, it loses that high definition. So I'm going to try to do uh, a, a series, you know, one, uh, one batch of three rounds, one full game where I just use my camera and put them on YouTube. So we'll miss the live play version of it. Um, and I won't do this every time. We'll miss the live play, but you'll get the highest resolution version of, um, of Rolling Realms. We'll give that a try. See how it goes. Let me know your feedback on that, George, after, after I give that a try. Carol says, little 
FYI, with Betrayal Legacy, the first few episodes are really fun. After that, it can suffer from criticisms of base betrayal where the haunt rules are not clear, which is especially difficult for the trader. We spent a lot of time on Board Game Geek and found the timing of the haunt could make some episodes very one-sided. Just a warning that this can happen. Thank you for the heads up about that, Carol. Um, yeah, I... In a game like Betrayal, I, I don't think I... I don't go into it expecting a balanced experience, but, uh, but I do like clarity and rules. So I guess uh, that we'll have to roll with that. If the trader is a little confused, we might do a little bit of hunting around on Board Game Geek, and beyond that, we'll just we'll just make it up as we go. I'm comfortable doing that that in games. Frank, uh, Frank, I was talking about Frank West's blog earlier. Frank said he had a chance to ch to chat with Alex at Essen. That's great, Frank. Thank you for stopping by to chat with Alex, or vice versa if he stopped by to say hi to you. He said he's Alex is such a wonderful person and represents your brand really well. Uh, I appreciate that affirmation, and I, I, I absolutely agree. Ryan says, realizing that there has been seven slots for cubes in the nesting box since the beginning of the prototype progression. Yeah, we kind of hid one of them, though. One of them wasn't as uh, easily seen. But yeah, if you look at the nesting box prototype um, and the photos on the nesting box page of our website, you can see that we do have slots for seven total player tokens there. He says, from the Mills video of the box at Gen Con, it looks like the push holes in the top layer are egg-shaped. That's an awesome little Easter egg. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah, yeah, we, we like little Easter eggs like that. I think that was that was not my idea. I cannot remember whose idea it was. It might have been one of our shareholders' ideas, but I, I really like that too. Carol says she likes the blue of the champion shirts. Julie says she likes seeing more options for food caching with the Wingspan Asia Birds. Yeah, we're always trying to kind of boost that strategy a little bit. There isn't there aren't a lot of cards that boost a heavy ca a food caching strategy yet. She says, was it a goal to improve chances of developing a good food caching engine in this expansion? I wouldn't say it's like a clear goal we set out to do, but I think it's probably been on, on Elizabeth's mind to boost um, strategies other than just getting eggs. I think that's one of the, you know, the primary strategies from the core game. And now we have other expansions boost other elements. In the duet mode, the, the, the duet mode really boasts, boosts the, the idea of playing birds, especially at the end of the game when uh, previously just laying eggs might have been a primary strategy. And I think in one of the previous expansions, she boosted the ability to uh, get a lot of points from tucking. So you've probably seen some great tucking engines on the Wingspan Facebook group. Yeah, actually, Julie mentioned, I should just read Julie's comment. She says it's better here. I'm th she says, I'm thinking about how the European expansion did something similar and how it enhanced the role of card tucking birds. Totally. Craig says, have you ever considered doing foiled versions of bird cards for Wingspan, either as a promo or as part of a new mechanism? We haven't thought about that. It's a, it's a good question, Craig. We haven't thought about it, though, for one specific reason, and that is I've learned through Red Rising that foil does not mix well with linen embossed cards and all wingspan cards are linen embossed so i think it is fairly unlikely that we'd mix foil in there the two don't go together well foil goes great with cards that are not linen embossed and it would definitely stand out in the wingspan deck if we had some cards that were not linen embossed nancy jane says have i seen what adam's apple games did with four humors they have cardboard potion chits with little plastic holders. I don't think I, cardboard potion chits with little plastic holders. I haven't seen that, Nancy Jean. I will check out four humors. I believe I've heard of this game, but I can't remember um, seeing what they did with it. Yeah, I'll check that out. Thank you for, for referring me to that. Corlin says, have I thought about designing a legacy style game? The King's Dilemma was an amazing adventure and we need more games like it. Absolutely, I love legacy style games and I've actually designed two legacy style games. One full-on legacy game called Charterstone came out back in 2016. Full-on legacy campaign, uh, competitive village building campaign, uh, legacy game. Legacy being you make, permanent, you make just permanent changes to the game that cannot be undone. And I've also made a legacy style game that's really just a campaign expansion called The Rise of Fenris. So The Rise of Fenris is an expansion to Scythe that has lots of unlocks and surprises and progression, but it's completely resettable. So it isn't actually a legacy game, just a campaign game with progression. Richard says, do they have vegan vegetarian options at the Green Dragon Inn? I, we weren't fully vegetarian at that time, um, but... Yes, a, a lot of the options there. I mean, there were some some big beefy um, uh, uh, meat options there, but we were leaning vegetarian at the time, and there were plenty of options, plenty of delicious fruits and vegetables there. Uh, so yeah, yeah, 
Richard, I, I think you'll you'll find plenty of things that you can eat at the Green Dragon Inn in Hoppeton for vegetarians. Carol says that she's had fun with the Game of Thrones and Outlander cookbook. So that's cool. I, I, I really like that. Game of Thrones, after seeing, well, don't want to spoil anything, but there is a, a food-related scene in uh, a recent um, uh, House of Dragons episode. I would love to eat some of the things that were on their table. That, that's really cool. Zach says Raiders of the North Sea is a great game. If, if I like the North Sea version, I'd recommend Raiders of Scythia, or Scythia, which makes changes that bring the game to another level. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, I kind of assumed it was the same game, but with different art, but that's good to know that they made some, some changes to it. Tim says, do I have any an update on the anniversary shipping progress? Tim, uh, yes, kind of. Um, I've been asking the Fulfillment Center about this. Our Fulfillment Center has taken a lot longer than normal, especially, specifically the one in St. Louis, a lot longer than normal to ship through all the anniversary things that we started selling on September 21st. Usually they should have gotten through those things about in about two weeks. I think it took them a little bit longer than normal because there wasn't like one single item. There were a lot of different compilations of items that people put together. But they have told us that they will finish shipping by the end of this week which is, again, a lot longer than I wanted to take. I'm really sorry for that. I, th I appreciate your patience. All champion orders should have shipped by now, though. And Tim, I, off the top of my head, I, I think you're a champion. So it should have shipped by now. So if you, well, I appreciate everyone's patience. If your order has not shipped by the end of this week, please let me know. If your champion order, as of now, has not shipped, please also let me know about that as well so we can look into it. Zach says, maybe no expansions, but do you think we could ever see a Charterstone 2 with a new story in the Green Gully world? I think it's unlikely. I mean, I love designing Charterstone, but um, I think what's more likely is that I might design someday or might, uh, might publish someday another game in the Green Gully world that, that is not Charterstone and that is not a legacy game. I think that is possible. Charterstone was just... A, legacy is a beast. I, I think... Designing a legacy game is a, it's like designing five or six different games at once. It, it's because you have all these different branching paths that have to work together, that have to combine together. It is extremely difficult. I've done it once now. I, I want to explore kind of progression in games and, and different scenarios in games someday, but I don't, I, I don't really have an itch to design another legacy game now that I've gotten it out of the way. So probably not, but another game in the Green Gully world, I would love to love to explore that someday. Uh, let's see, just scrolling down, looking for questions as I wrap up today. Thank you all for joining me for this conversation. I, I love talking with you every Wednesday and, and hearing your thoughts and your questions. Chris says he's been going to his local library recently to use their 3D printers to print out replacement meeples for some of his games. It's all completely free and we can use their printers for up to six hours per week. That's very generous of your library. Just a suggestion for others who are watching this. That's really cool. Yeah, I didn't know that libraries had 3D printers. Um, yeah, I actually I know this sounds weird to say, but I haven't been in a library in a long time. Most of the books I get, I buy on my Kindle and or I or I, sometimes I rent them from the library on the Kindle, but I do that remotely. And just the other day, I dropped off, I dropped off an absentee ballot at our local library and it felt so good to be in a library. I hadn't like it I grew up going to libraries all the time and I love books. I love and I I think I'd forgotten how much I love being surrounded by books. But uh yeah, it, it felt really good. It, made, it reminded me that I need to just go to the library now and then and just browse and be surrounded by books and, and look, discover cool stuff like like 3D printers that they have now. They might have games at library. Or I know they have some games at libraries. I don't know if they have that in my local library. But I'm curious what you all think. When, when you go to the library, if you go to the library still, um, what's your favorite thing about it? What do you love about going to a library if you still do that? Andrew says that he's a champion and his order still hasn't shipped. Uh... Andrew, I will look into that when I get off here. Thank you for letting me know. That is, uh, it, it does depend a little bit on when you placed your order, but if you placed it in like late September, it should have shipped by now. Absolutely. So I'm sorry about that, Andrew. Greg says, if I missed the mention of the chocolate of the day, my chocolate of the day is probably going to be something Harry Potter themed. I recently got a bunch of Harry Potter themed uh uh, chocolate and, and treats from a place called La Patisserie Choquette here in St. Louis, a, a French bakery. And we've been kind of eating through those chocolates. So probably be 
a white chocolate bark with a little pop rocks inside. I don't know the connection to the Harry Potter theme, but they put a fun Harry Potter name on it. Nash says that he loves the live sessions. Thank you, Nash. Just played Pendulum for the first time this weekend. That's awesome. Thank you for giving Pendulum a try. What a fantastic idea to create competitive, competitiveness and chaos at the same time. I think the only game left to grab is Euphoria by Stonemaier Games. Also excited about Wingspan Asia. That's great. It sounds like you've played, that means you've played, what, 12 different Stonemaier Games at this point? I think we have 13 total with the, the recent edition of, of Smitten. That's quite impressive. Um, I should ask that sometime. Maybe that'll be next week's question of the week. What Stonemaier Games have you not played? We'll talk about that next week, if I can remember. I need a, I need a more, more notepad that I'm making lots of notes this week. Um, Stonemaier Games. What are they called? Uh, okay, so the, the pop rock thing that I mentioned, the chocolate pop rocks are fizzle whizzlebees. They're a nod to um, to Fred and George's treats that they make, uh, or surprise uh, prank style treats that they make for, for uh, the students. So some of our games you have not played. That'll be next week's question of the week. Um, Julie says the St. Louis County Library has dozens of games, a pretty wide variety. Yeah, we actually have given or, or uh, sold, given one, some combination of the two games to the St. Louis County Library. That isn't my local library, but um, isn't too far from here. And they take requests to consider for purchase. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, feel free. If your library does that, if they take requests, we do have a library system on our website. So any library can sign up to be a library that can buy from us essentially as a, at a retailer discount. Um, so that they can uh, get our games at a very accessible rate within their budget. Richard, Richard also, I'll make a note about that. It's a little difficult to do this live. Emails are a little bit easier, but I'll make notes about these, Richard and Andrew, to look into this. Uh, really, there's, there's no excuse that a champion order should not have shipped by now. So I'll dig into that. Awesome. Well, it sounds like I have a little bit of work to do here to chat about um, to chat about these orders. So I'm going to take off and do that. Thank you so much for joining me for, for this week's chat. I'm going to put this up on YouTube. See if there are any questions that follow up. Feel free to put them on YouTube. And I love hearing the comments. Feel free to keep talking in the comments here about libraries. I love hearing that discussion um, about what people like doing at libraries. But have a great week. I'll be back next Wednesday for another live chat. Take care. Bye.